Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. It's Thanksgiving week. A big week for all the clubs out there as the holiday season is upon us officially. How are you getting ready for Thanksgiving? I'd love to find out. I'll tell you how I'm getting ready. Somehow, someway, I've been convinced to go on a juice fast, so I'm only drinking juice for the next five days until Thanksgiving. (laughs) It's uh, wild, to say the least. I was at the organic market with my wife over the weekend, stocked up on all sorts of things, lots of kale, lots of berries, cucumbers, carrots, apples. I bought an entire box of apples to juice. Got myself a juicer, so it's going to be pretty interesting. It's going to make Thanksgiving dinner that much more enjoyable since it'll probably be my first meal of the entire week that will be solid. But I'm hoping that it uh, shocks my body and my system. I need to lose a little weight as we all probably do this time of year, right? So, The other thing I like to think about this time of year is my next upcoming year. And I want to put a little challenge out to you today to think about your goals setting in 2017. We all just came out of a crazy political season where that's really all people were focused on. And now it's really time to think about the future Are you setting your goals? I'm going to challenge you today to write down your goals for 2017. Get them ready. You don't have to wait until New Year's Eve night to start thinking about the resolutions that you want to make or the goals that you want to set. And my second challenge is really for you to not think of them as resolutions or changes, but really as goals and a picture in your mind of where you would like to be both professionally and personally in 2017. I've found for myself, the best way to do that is to find an accountability partner, someone that will hold me to what I promise to do. So definitely recommend you search out someone in your life. It could be a friend, a colleague, your spouse, and just get on the phone with them once a week, even once a month and talk about your goals. Make sure that you're all on the same page. It's going to really aid in keeping to what you promise yourself here and not just making it another resolution, but making it something actionable. So that is my challenge to you for this week. Now, I am really excited about our guest this week. We have Dr. James Melton on the show. He's a celebrated speaker and a best-selling author, and he's going to discuss leadership today, a topic that was overwhelmingly requested in our private club radio poll. If you don't know about this poll, head on over to privateclubradio.com slash vote, and you too can cast your vote for the show topic. This is a very democratic show, and we ask our listeners to provide what they want to hear on this show. We go out and find the best and the brightest to come here on Private Club Radio and share their knowledge with us. Here's what you're going to learn today. We are going to learn the traits of exemplary leadership and how to get there. You're also going to discover the process for inspiring teams to perform at their peak. And you'll find out James' tips on how to better communicate with your staff. 
We'll discuss those topics and a whole lot more when we bring James here on the show. The next thing I wanted to talk about today is our Facebook page. If you don't know about our Facebook page, we're putting together a little community online on Facebook. It's called the Private Club Radio Listeners Forum. And if you just type in Private Club Radio on Facebook, you will see it. It's a private group. But if you ask to join, we will let you in as long as you are part of this private club radio industry. And of course you are if you're listening to this show. Otherwise, you're probably listening to the wrong show. <laughs> no, but but seriously, we are. Uh, I'm giving you sort of a back behind the scenes look at the private club radio show. And we're having some discussions, trying to start some discussions anyways, on best practices in there. And I have a very big announcement for 2017 that you will only get if you join the Private Club Radio Listeners Forum and go into our Facebook page. I will release that there in the coming months. But something big is coming down the pipe, and you've got to be an insider to find out what that's going to be. Lastly, before we bring James on, I got wind. I think Mr. Rick Coffey told me about the Platinum Clubs of America. The new list has come out. And I just wanted to go... I can't go through all top 150 country clubs, but just figure I'd cover the top 10. If you were curious who these top 10 clubs are in the United States, at number 10, we've got the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. Congratulations to the Country Club. At number nine, we've got Charlotte Country Club in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I was just in Charlotte, so I'm sort of kicking myself I didn't stop in there and check that place out. I did go to Quail Hollow, though, and that was quite the club itself. Number eight on the list is Los Angeles Country Club, of course, in Los Angeles, California. A little closer to home, number seven, Addison Reserve Country Club in Delray Beach, Florida. Number six, the Johns Island Club here in Florida on Vero Beach. Number five, the Vintage Club in Indian Wells, California. Congratulations. Number four, the Cherokee Town and Country Club in Atlanta, Georgia. Number three, once again here in Florida, Boca West Country Club in Boca Raton, Florida. Number two, the Ocean Reef Club in Key Largo, Florida. And number one, Congressional Country Club in Bethesda, Maryland. Congratulations to all those top 10 and to all the top 150 Platinum Clubs of America. If you want to see the rest of the list, just go to clubleadersforum.com. And I think you click up in the top right and you can actually go to the Platinum Clubs of America. Toggle between the American clubs and the clubs of the world anyways. And see the rest of that list. Pretty exciting. See if you're on there. I'm sure if you're on there, you already know. But see if your friends are on there, your colleagues. In addition to the country clubs, they, of course, list the golf clubs, city clubs, yacht clubs, and athletic clubs. They have their own lists for each category. Pretty good stuff there. Well, James Melton will join us next right after this. Our webinar series resumes January the 4th with special guest Michael Crandall. Visit privateclubradio.com slash education to register today. Today, I'm really pleased to welcome speaker and author Dr. James Melton to the show. For the past three decades, he has analyzed people in action, centering his research on innovation, productivity, leadership, and motivation. He has shared his message with thousands of people worldwide, 
as well as appearing on national radio and television talk shows. Public television has produced an eight-part series on his work titled Reaching New Heights of Excellence. In addition to being an author of several best-selling books, Leadership Above and Beyond the Crowd is his latest. He has a rich and varied background as a news reporter, newspaper columnist, college instructor, and professional pilot. He holds a PhD in management. He is one of a handful of modern-day philosophers who travels the globe transforming complex issues into simple, common-sense terms for many of the top Fortune 500 companies. James, welcome to Private Club Radio. Thank you, Gabe. I'm a privilege to be on your show. James, I was intrigued by your leadership system that you developed, and I wanted to share some of your best practices and ideas with our listeners today. First off, how did you develop this system, James? The system came about, Gabe, through uh, research that I've done with various corporations around the country and talking largely with their uh, chief uh, uh, executives and uh, their human resource directors about what topics are really needed in the corporate world uh, that would benefit the bottom line. Uh, everyone's interested in benefiting the bottom line to one degree or another, whether it be a country club or a corporate office or an association or just a private business uh, that's running a mom and pop shop somewhere. We all are looking at how can we generate additional income, and there are a number of ways to do that. And what would allow what would allow a person working at these organizations to think like the president, not just an employee. So eliminating the employee mentality is nothing wrong with the employee mentality, except you kind of like to get people to take ownership if you could. Right. Yeah, and absolutely. That, so, so we, we, we segmented uh, five areas that uh, we felt we needed to discuss. And it's been, uh, very enlightening for myself. Uh, I always say you teach best what you need to learn most. And, and I really needed to learn what is it that makes these things happen? Why are some organizations successful and why are they not? So we created a, a system with 40 topics. I'm not going to get into all of them, but there are five basic modules in this leadership system, uh, and that is people skills. And we can talk a little bit about that if you wish. Uh, there is uh, uh, sales dynamics. There is um, first-class service, which the clubs are are ex- really extraordinarily involved in providing great service. There's goal, time, and stress management. And then, of course, one is titled command leadership. And I think that's probably one of the elements we're going to be talking about today. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I do want to get into some of those topics. I think our listeners will get a lot from them. First question for you here, though, who designates an individual as a leader, James? Uh, very good question. Very good question. A lot of people think they can do it themselves and, and identify themselves as a leader, but when they turn around, they see no one following. That's <laughs> obviously <laughs> not the case. Right. So it's your peers. Your peers will put you in that position. And you either accept that responsibility or not. Now, I like to I like to think of a person who demonstrates leadership as one who possesses what I call emotional wisdom. Emotional wisdom reflects itself in the way 
people relate to others. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to get into some leadership traits, but uh, there are about five that I really feel uh, have uh, great significance in how one can approach leadership. Yeah. Shall I cover a couple of them? Okay. Um, one of them would be the ability of an individual to accept people as they are, not as one would like them to be. Mm-hmm. And that uh, sometimes uh, is, is a toughie uh, because we want, to, we want to put our ideas out there and have people follow them. But um, Robert Frost, the, the poet laureate, said this about that. He said, we love others for who they are. And I always add, not for what we want them to be, not for what we think they should be, not for what they know they could be, but for what they are. My friend Vern Nelson back in uh, Denver, he uh, ran a couple of large organizations. And uh, he said, Jim, I, I, I followed, after your program, I followed the SIP principle. I always talk about the SIP principle being self-image equals performance. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? You don't have to fire anyone. He said, well, the old school of thinking was we hire people and, and, uh, uh, and uh, because of how smart they are. But w- what you do really in the new school is you hire people and find out where they are smart. He said, everyone is smart somewhere. And what you need to do is put people in the proper seat to make something happen that needs to be uh, functioning more effectively. So I thought that made a lot of sense. Yeah, I like that. Uh, the, uh, the, one of the other points here, and I could go into depth on all of these, but I'm just going to kind of capsulize. Uh, and point number two in leadership might be the capacity to approach relationships and problems in terms of the present rather than the past. I remember Mark Twain put it this way. He said, I'm an old man and I've had many problems. <laughs> most of which have never happened. So if you look at it, um, the uh, uh, looking at where we are now, what do we have to accomplish? Uh, what can we learn? Uh, even Will Rogers brought in the, the statement, don't bring too much of yesterday into today. We tend to rehash and rerun a lot of scenarios that don't work. So I really believe that uh, taking things from the, the point of where we are to where we need to be is very important. Lee Iacocca had something to say about leadership that relates to this particular trait as well. He said, if there's one thing I like to see in a leader, it's the ability to be decisive. And uh, he even went so far as to say, in today's world, it's more important to be decisive than it is to be right. That's so true. Now, he said, this is a breach of logic which has existed for leaders throughout years. Uh, You probably know people who are good decision makers who are not necessarily good leaders. But then he said, I'll bet you anything you don't know any good leader who is not a good decision maker. That's right. So that is a key ingredient. Uh, uh, The third aspect of leadership, I think he has a, a strong strong influence uh, in many ways, and that's the ability to treat those who are close to you with the same courteous attention that you would expect 
extend to strangers and uh, casual acquaintances. And again, the, the need for this is often most obvious and lacking in our own families. And sometimes the longer we work together, we create a family and we tend to take for granted uh, a lot of the people who are really supporting us in life. But I really think uh, expressing thanks and gratitude is is a key element. And sometimes people in a higher position forget to do that because they look upon things as just being uh, being there. They're, 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 and that's their job, and they're supposed to do it. Uh, Ken Blanchard uh, was uh, and still does uh, speak on occasion. I had the pleasure of speaking with Ken on a number of occasions doing some programs in various cities around the country. He said, Jim, always go out and catch someone doing something right. And I like that. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a good, good uh, uh, slice of philosophy. Yeah. The uh, a fourth area out of five years, the ability to trust others, even if the risk seems great. And I, I guess I would say withholding trust for me is often necessary, maybe for self-protection, but in, you've got to beware of that because I, I would really rather risk disappointment and, and even failure than to take it for granted that everyone around me was incompetent. I think withholding trust is too high a price to pay if it means constantly being watchful. Mm -hmm. I think you can tell people what needs to be done, but not necessarily always tell them how to do it. And and that gets into, uh, I don't know if we have time for all of this, <laughs> that gets into the, um, the, uh, the levels of um, uh, individual development, if you will. Sure. Uh, well, nobody likes a micromanager. I can I can attest to that. <laughs> sure, sure. We have. I mean, we, we've got various leadership styles that you can that you can uh, demonstrate, and uh, and coaching being one of them would be one. Uh, uh, directing would be another. Delegating and, and supporting. I mean, these are all styles, and uh, uh, one would the direction would be the beginning. It would be an individual. Um, I give you an example of. Directing, coaching, supporting, and, and delegating. Okay. Um, uh, the uh, the coaching would be uh, giving a talk in a, in a room, and, and you say, you know, hey, there's some noise in the hallway out there, and it's causing a problem. We're having trouble getting a work done. Go tell these people to work in the uh, go into ballroom B, so and close the door so we can't hear them, and we get some things done. That's that's that is. Uh, directing. You're telling them what to do and you're telling them how to do it. Right. Coaching would be uh, the same scenario. Um, hey, there's some noise in the hallway out there. It's really causing us a problem. We're having trouble getting our, our work done. What do you think we should do about it? Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you say it might, it might be a good idea if they go into that other room and, and, uh, and close the door and then ask them, what do you think about it? Mm -hmm. So give, giving them the opportunity to give the input. And then the supporting is um, the same scenario. And you explain what's going on, the noises out there, and you want someone to move. And, and, and then you ask them, what would be your suggestion? And then you support them in that suggestion. And the, five, the, the last one would be the delegating. Um, 
there's noise in the hallway and uh, it's causing us a problem, would you go out there and take care of it? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they can go out there with a submachine gun and a machete <laughs> knife or whatever it is right. and take care of it. But you, you have confidence and trust that we'll, they will go out there and they will resolve the issue. Well, how do you decide so, or how do you know based on you know the makeup of your team, what are you looking for to know which one of those is the best scenario or the best best way to go about it? Uh, good question, uh, because often uh, you, you, that's where the block comes that people don't know. I would say you could, you could judge who does what best by their competence and, and by their commitment. Um, competence, of course, is the factor of knowledge and skill, which comes out of uh, education, training, and experience. Uh, commitment is a factor of confidence and motivation. And confidence is a degree to which one is self-assured, and motivation is the willingness and interest to carry the task through to see it to its completion. So, in other words, if, if a person just began on the job, they may, be, they may be highly motivated to do the job, but their competence is rather weak because they don't know anything yet. They don't know the, the, the rules. They don't know um, the track record. They don't know uh, how things are done uh, in, in the business, in the club, in the, um, in the, in the store. They don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they would probably be one who would need to be uh, directed. Okay. Uh, okay. Once they acquire some of the, um, some of the skills, through education, staff training, uh, uh, meetings with uh, various people, they, they would have developed uh, their competence level somewhat. And in that case, then the coaching aspect could take over, uh, whereby you could say, it might be good if we do it this way, what do you think? Uh, and I found, and the conviction only grows on me, Gabe, that when someone has a... Um, someone has a um, influence in the final outcome, it um, makes a difference in their commitment. Oh, for sure. Uh, so if they have, if they have the ability to make a decision and come into, come into the, um, the situation and they have an influence on the final outcome, they are, are more uh, focused on the goal and, and having a having ability, the ability to participate in that, and their motivation increases. Yeah, I found that even at my own company, where I, you know, if I can give my folks some empowerment that they have a say in certain things, they feel much more. They take ownership of the of their of their work at that point, and it just makes for a, a much better, more cohesive team. I've found. Exactly, and and I've found that uh, leadership is not so much the the um, exercise of power, but it's the empowerment of people that really makes a difference. And and uh, I've heard it said that uh, when the best leader's job is done, the people say, we did it ourselves. <laughs> well said. So, I like that one. <laughs> yeah, yes, I do too. And then uh, one of the, the last elements or the traits of leadership that I have written down that I that I use regularly is the ability to do without constant approval and recognition from others. Um, you know, uh, 
particularly in a work situation, I guess you could say. The need for constant approval can be harmful and even counterproductive. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the emotionally wise leader, as we talked about earlier, uh, realizes that the quality of work will suffer when undue stress and emphasis is placed on being the good guy. I mean, you can't be a good guy in everything. It's a leader's job to take risks, and risk by their very nature cannot be pleasing to everyone. So those are some of the points that um, I feel have a a strong significance in in leadership. uh, I love those. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing those with us. I love them. Are people born leaders, James? Do, Do all leaders have the innate ability to inspire confidence and create an atmosphere that's conductive to trust and agreement? You know, that is probably one of the biggest myths of all. <laughs> and uh, they'll say, um, I mean, leadership is a rare skill or, or, or people are naturally born as a leader. And, and it's, not, it's not the case. I mean, I've talked with a lot of people and I, I would say that um, nothing could be further from the truth. I, while great leaders are as rare as great runners, great actors, great artists, musicians, you name it, uh, every, I think everyone possesses leadership skills. Uh, and there are millions of leadership roles out there in the world. Uh, but uh, to be born, I, I mean, I, I've read papers and seen uh, news information in, in many cities and all over the world. I've seen where mothers have, have given birth to... Uh, <laughs> Uh, boys and girls, but I've never seen where mothers given birth to a doctor, a lawyer, a leader, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's always a boy or girl. Sure. And the, the, the to think that that you are born with leadership skills, I, I think is is a myth. But it is common to think that. Sure. So uh, I think through training, through staff training, through uh, a, lo- a lot of our training comes from our parental guidance as children. Mm-hmm. Our beliefs and values are formed. Uh, you ask any psychologist or psychiatrist, by the age of six or eight, a child has formed the beliefs and values by which they will function throughout their life unless they make a concerted effort to shift. And I often say, if it's not working, stop what you're doing and change what you're doing and find another way. Right. So, so uh, um, I guess that's my long answer to that short question. <laughs> James, if you are looking to raise up a leader from within your organization, maybe you've got you know, a mid-management spot to fill or something like that, what are you looking for when you're looking to find out who has the potential to be a great leader? Oh, numerous things, I would say. Um, I would think that uh, one would be with whom are these people associating? If you get a chance to know who their friends are, you will have a pretty good idea who these people are. Mm -hmm. Uh, So recommendations are always good. Uh, Obviously, I'm strong on an ethical base. I, I like to see people operate on a, a, a base of that, again, which is pretty much ingrained to, 
in us at an early age. Um, I, I think that if you were to want some to fill a position, uh, a good interview is important. What have they done in the past? Past track record is always very valuable. If they've been successful in something of a similar nature in the past, they will probably be successful again. You, you can't really take success away from someone, whether they switch uh, localities, whether they switch jobs or positions within the same organization. They're going to carry that success and that credibility with them. So I suppose the number one quality in my mind would be past track record. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I'm just wondering if there's something, something a little, some magic that you can spot or some character trait that you've found, you know, in your career might, might be a telltale sign that someone is ready to take on a leadership role. You're very, you're very pointed, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Selfishly, I'm asking this question for myself because even at my own company, I have three people. They all, they're all gifted in their own various ways. And I'm looking for someone to take on a leadership role and, and really to work a little bit more, doing more about of the things I'm doing so that it frees me up to do what I need to do. So I'm looking to delegate some of that authority and I'm looking, you know, what is that, what is that one thing? What's that, what's that extra special intangible that I should be looking for? All right. Uh, get their DIN degree. You've just hit the nail on the head. DIN degree. That's called do it now. And I like to see people who are now oriented. I like to see people who, when given a task, uh, you don't have to follow up a day later. Oh, I lost the number. What was that number again? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or uh, what what was that question again? (laughs) Where did you (laughs) want me to go with that? I like to see people grab a hold of it by the neck and put it into action because I think action is the key. Yep. I, I feel people who are action-oriented uh, will have a better opportunity. See, um, yeah, this ties to goals quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I like to sit people down, and I like to ask them what are their goals. Business and personal tells a lot about an individual. You can find out about their their competitive traits. You can find about out about their vision and their values and allow them to talk. People who are willing to listen, that's a key ingredient. Uh, and a lot of people don't listen. They, they don't listen behind what they hear the person feeling. Now, you have a need. You, have, you need to bring a leader on board somewhere. And that individual needs to listen to you and then maybe put back into terms what they heard you feeling. I call that concerned listening. Listening is, it's not even taught anymore. It's a shame. Mm-hmm. I teach it in my programs, but uh, I, I call it concerned listening. So finding someone who is has the ability to listen, to be creative, and to be curious, asking questions. I mean, uh, uh, I saw it on a tea bag one time. It says, um, the, the cure for boredom is curiosity. There is no cure for curiosity. <laughs> and <laughs> right. you, you, can't, you can't take that trait away from someone. If they're curious, 
mm-hmm. and they ask questions. I think that's important. Yeah. So do it now. Get your DIN degree and a- action oriented. Yep. Um, I love that. I, I hope that I really know. helps. Yeah, and I'm sure that's going to help a lot of people out there because I think I think that I think you really hit the nail on the head. I never really thought of that, but inherently that's true. And and their friendship also. Who who do they hang around with? Sure. Who do they buddy buddy with? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where do they go to dine? Mm-hmm. How do they? You know, this is why this is why organizations bring the the husbands and wives to the dinner parties. Why? So and why do they take them out on the on the golf course and and see how they operate? How competitive are they? How can they carry a conversation? How do they interact with people? How do they eat at the table? Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it, these little things, these finely refined areas, I think, are all elements of of uh, leadership. I think that's fascinating. Appreciate that answer because I think I'm going to put that into practice in my own company for sure. The next thing I want to talk to you about is, I think, a kind of a good tie into what we've been talking here about communication. So, what are some of the barriers to effective communication? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) My friend George Shapiro, uh, he was the professor of communication at the University of Minnesota in St. Paul. And uh, he did a study uh, with his class over a six-month period. And it was quite an intensive study. And it was discovered in his class, and this is pretty ubiquitous. This goes all over. I mean, uh, he said, we found out that only 7% of what is heard in a conversation is heard through words. That means 93% is not heard through words. 38% is through the intonation, the feeling, the expression behind the word, and 55% of what we say is heard through body signals. Wow. So that means, uh, sorry about it, the radio, a telephone, you can't get any body signals unless you're Skyping visually or whatever it might be, or face-to-face on I, I, uh, iPhones or whatever. Right. So uh, we tell a lot on ourselves at all times. Uh, uh, so the communication. Another thing that I feel is important with, uh, first of all, uh, I think it's, um, uh, George put it so right when he said, Communication is is a two-way exchange of information which is intended to produce a desired response. Makes a lot of sense to me. You've got to have some kind of a two-way exchange of information. So if a person is not listening and trying to think of what they're going to say next and how they're going to impress someone next, uh, you know this often, Gabe, when people are introduced to someone they don't even know what their name is one minute after they were introduced to them. Yeah. I, I practice as a technique. I try to say their name at least five times um, looking at them and maybe associating something with them. But yeah, I agree. I, I think a lot of people, they, they just forget. <laughs> just, yeah. Yes. We're so concerned yeah, with well, ourselves. I assume we're so wrapped up in our own selves. Yes. It, it's, it's difficult to be a hundred percent present. I mean, 
I often ask my audiences, um, do you know when you have someone's attention? They say, yes. I say, do you know when you don't? They say, yes. And I say, do you think it works the other way around? So what we need to do is we need to give people our 100% attention. Now, that's tough. It's not an easy thing to do. That's a hard task. I mean, uh, and I'm not even saying you always have to be riveting your mind on what the other individual is saying, but for goodness sakes, uh, listening is is the key. I think Cabot Robert put it this way. Cabot Robert is the, the, uh, the uh, chairman emeritus of the National Speakers Association. Fantastic, positive thinker. He said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. So we need to express to the other person who's talking to us or with us that we do care what they're saying. We are interested. And you know what? When you really start listening to what other people have to say, it's more interesting to listen than it is to talk. I agree. You can find out a lot about people. Ask them open-ended questions. Uh, uh, open-ended questions are who, what, where, when, how, why. You know, why is kind of confrontational sometimes. But mm-hmm. when you start a question with that, it gives them an opportunity to, to dialogue a little with you. Yep. But if you ask them a closed question, uh, how do you feel? Fine. <laughs> you know, uh, or uh, a closed-ended question would be, uh, what's, what's the temperature today? And they give you an answer. But mm-hmm. uh, who, what, where, when, how, why? These are these are questions that will often uh, provide an opportunity for someone to elaborate a little bit. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I, I think that's and, you're right on with that. So, uh, if if I may go back to your question real quickly here uh, <clears throat> on communication and listening, we 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 communicate um, by listening a lot and by interacting by asking questions. We listen with our minds, not with our ears. We only hear with our ears, but we listen with our minds. And these all tie into those percentages that George Shapiro gave out. 55% is visual in listening. So we observe by, and we see with our eyes, but we, we observe with our senses. So we can tell. I mean, you meet people. And you talk with him, and right away, I mean, without even thinking about it, you never met this guy before, without even thinking about it, you know you hate him, (laughs) or or, or, or you know you love him, or you know you love her. It's just one of those things. There is an impression. We we have a sense about ourselves that we can tune in. If we fine-tune our senses, we can learn a lot. I'm not saying it's always accurate. When we start getting judgment in there, I love the uh, the the book, The Four Agreements. Have you ever read The Four Agreements? I have not read the book, but I I know of the concepts. Yeah, The Four Agreements. Uh, one is uh, the uh, make no assumptions, uh, and number two is, uh, or I don't know what the order is, but uh, always do your best, right? which is different at different times. Uh, another one would be. Uh, 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 be impeccable with your word. Um, and another one would be never take anything personally. And those are tough. Those are all tough. Very. But uh, but they're they're important. Uh, yeah. So 
when, when you're talking with someone, um, if you follow the four agreements, it makes a lot of sense. Well, let me ask, ask you a follow-up question to that. Is there a way to practice some of these skills, practice uh, more effective communication, practice leadership? Is there some things you can do outside of the workplace where you can actually work on some of these soft skills? Toastmasters is a great place. I, I'm sure you, every, I think every city has a Toastmasters club in it. Sure. And well, for our listeners that don't know of it, could you kind of explain what that is? Toastmasters is a group. I think there are 300,000 people involved in Toastmasters and something like uh, hundreds and hundreds of clubs around the world where it's usually an hour program. Uh, they're very punctual. They allow people to express their leadership skills and by giving talks in front of people. And they're giving, given table topics. And they uh, give um, suggestions on how you can get your point across in 30 seconds or less. It's a a fabulous thing. And you don't even need to be a public speaker to go to Postmasters or even want to be a public speaker. I guess they say public speaking is... uh, uh, a choice that's second to death. <laughs> yeah. I think it's actually, um, b- believe it or not, above death. <laughs> so it, I, it I think the, I think death, the joke yeah. I've heard like Jerry Seinfeld say is that people would rather be lying in the casket than giving the eulogy, <laughs> which is uh, yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty interesting, but I think it's the truth. That's great advice. I think that that's wonderful. I mean, at some point as a leader, you're going to have to give speeches to your team. Uh, so that's a, that's a wonderful skill to definitely have. And, Something that will serve you well in your career, for sure. I've got another question yeah. for, for you, James. Sure. What would you recommend to someone who's gotten off on the wrong foot as a leader, gotten off on the wrong foot with their team, they maybe want to right the ship? How do they go about changing that? Interesting you should say that. I just uh, got a call from, I was speaking in uh, Nashville uh, a couple of months ago and uh, got a call from one of the uh, people in the audience and I always encourage them to call because I feel sometimes like I'm a hit and run artist. Mm -hmm. I get up there and I do my keynote spiel and I hang around for a while. And sometimes they are even, they're even interested in one of my books. (laughs) So (laughs) I, I share those with them, which is lovely. And I always enjoy that. Uh, But then sometimes people call and he said, I'm, I've got a new boss coming in. Uh, I I know his track record's pretty strong for letting a lot of the people go, and I, I want to stick around. What can I do? So I I recommended that he go to his new boss when it's a convenient time for both of them, and he asks what what his boss intends to accomplish what he would like to see happen in the organization and how he might be of support and how he might best operate to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, kind of an aside note there, it's not quite along the same line, but one of the things I always recommend to people who are leaders who have an open door policy, who say, come to me with anything, I'm here for you. But I always say, 
throw the caveat in. When you come to me with a problem, also come to me with two reasonably viable solutions Hmm. so we can address that issue. But I would suggest very simply, sometimes the simplest answer, the old Occam's razor, the simplest answer is usually the best. Hmm. Schedule the time when it's convenient for both parties and sit down and say, what is it you intend to accomplish? I'm here to support you. I want to know what what you're, what, what is it I can do to help the process and smooth it out? Uh, and then listen. And a notepad and paper with you is not a bad idea to to make notes. And then then follow up on some of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and maybe offer suggestions. And a leader would a leader is always interested in hearing someone's ideas. Right. I mean, we know that we don't always have the ideas ourselves, uh, some of the best ideas come from those who have been steeped in the trenches for a long time. And if you're if, in this man's incident, he was around this organization for years. He's He's been on the job for 10 years. The new guy is coming in, which happens to be his new boss, and really doesn't know the lay of the land. Mm-hmm. So I would think that would be very welcome. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I love that advice. I love that advice. You've written a number of books on one in particular, Leadership Above and Beyond the Crowd, I think would be something our listeners would really enjoy. What sort of things would they find inside that book, James? Um, this is a compilation of the Melton Leadership System, or some people call it the Management Leadership System, which is all video and audio-based. And it, uh, it's broken down into, uh, believe it or not, not that long of a book. It's almost 300 pages. It's broken down chapter by chapter. You pick it up and open up to any chapter and find, find uh, an answer to that specific issue. These are the topics that the people in the corporate world said were needed to increase their bottom line. Mm-hmm. And that's why I broke it down into the, the five sections, the people skills, the first-class service, the sales dynamics, the goal time and stress management, and command leadership. And within there are chapters uh, that relate to those subjects. I also... Um, I ran the agency for speakers and entertainers for a number of years, and we brought in people from all over the world for various reasons. A couple of people that I've befriended and have had a number of conversations with were uh, people like uh, Alan Dean, the fourth man on the moon, and he was. we used to book him. Howard B. Harrow, the former president of uh, Starbucks International, and Howard and I had breakfast not that long ago. He he gives me some information and advice every once in a while. Um, and I've had them, I've asked for their support in this book. So at the very beginning, I, only one page each of five people, I've asked them their thoughts on leadership. And surprisingly enough, it, they, they cover some of the ideas that you've already asked me mm-hmm. because they're so important. And that's... Uh, I think this is a how-to book. I really like. I really like. Uh, I like it when ideas are given that people can use. I like them itemized. I'm a rather pragmatic individual, 
uh, I think a little storyline is good as well because uh, I think it was Disney who put it this way. He said, anyone who thinks that education and entertainment are not the same does not know the definition of either word. <laughs> and so he educates in Disney World, Disneyland. He educates in Euro Disney and uh, in Epcot. And he incorporated education along with entertainment. And I believe that's what, that's what, um, that's what, uh, I hate to use the word work. That's what work is. Uh, you can't really call it play because we've become so ingrained in that. But I, I always say, if, you, if you're not having any fun doing what you're doing, you're not having any fun. Yeah, it's time to start <laughs> doing something different. <laughs> well, or, or, or make what you're doing more enjoyable. That's right, actually. That's and, better and can, advice. I like and, that. And we can do it with our attitude. I mean, I mean, you ask anybody, you're boarding a, boarding a plane, you walk by the flight crew and you say, hi guys, how are you doing? How would you feel if they said, geez, are we tired? <laughs> wanna, I'd be off that get plane in there, an instant. Yeah. <laughs> you want to fly with positive people. You want to rub elbows with enthusiasm. So you want people who, number one, you want to work with people who can communicate and be straightforward uh, and, and, my word is my bond. That's you've asked me that before. I didn't say it that way, but my word is my bond in communication. I said it. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm listening. I'm a good listener. I'm listening to you. I'm observing. I, I'm I'm an observer. I I look around me to see what's there. When you're in the person's office that you're talking with, that you want to uh, uh, hire or put in a leadership position, as you said before, see if that person notices the photographs on your desk. What's on the wall? Is it the Pyramid of Egypt? If he or she asks, where did that come from? Did you travel to Egypt? Find out how curious they are. Do they ask about your children? Because when someone asks you about your children, the only thing they really want you to ask them is about (laughs) their children. So, So, and again, speaking with confidence is important and enthusiasm is very important. That's right. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of the essence, I would say, of uh, the, the, the good communicator incorporates all of those traits and a good leader, those five, five traits that I've shared with you earlier, I think are extremely important. I love it. And I think for our job seekers out there as well, that's great advice to, uh, you know, start to put some of that together when they're in their next interview, start asking about the photographs on the wall and start listening and being curious. Those are all, all wonderful things, James. In today's world, if we recognize as a leader, it's, uh, it's not enough to, to amass great wealth. Uh, It's not, it's not enough to be the president or CEO of a major corporation. And believe it or not, it's not enough to be seen at a White House dinner party. You know, the the men and women who will lead us in this new 21st century must be more than wealthy, powerful, or prominent. I feel they must have changed the world around them for the better. So I think leaders need to look at how they can lift it or leave it. Don't enter into the gossip in the by the water cooler if the conversation is spiraling down. Find a way to lift it or leave it. 
if you aren't creative enough to lift the conversation, leave it, you will be then known as an individual who speaks positively, who looks for solutions, doesn't focus on the problem. And uh, I, I really feel that looking for better ways, there's always a better way to do something. And the leader is out there always looking for that way or the individual who knows how to get that answer. So forgive me for going off. I This is a very close subject to my heart. <laughs> it was well worth it. I love I love what you said there. I think when you think you've got it all figured out and you know all the answers, that's when you're in the most dangerous territory. So I totally agree with you there. James, how do people get one of your books, get their hands on a copy, and how do they find out more about you? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, my website is uh, jamesmelton.com. That's jamesmelton, M-E-L-T-O-N.com. And they can just go to um, product on the uh, top menu and click on it for videos, audios, um, uh, books. And uh, I, I also have a blog on that site. And I, I write uh, weekly. I write uh, blogs on various topics like decision-making skills, uh, like confidence. Uh, um, I mean, I even wrote one recently on eco-architecture and the leadership it takes to move a, a whole uh, uh, industry way of thinking from to a new way of building for the sustainability factors. Uh, so the website has a number of aspects to it that I think uh, would not only allow them to pick up my books, uh, but find more information that would be personally related to their situation at hand. You've got at least one more reader here. Uh, I'll definitely be checking you out on a, on a monthly basis for sure. Well, once again, that's jamesmelton.com. James, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, it was just a pleasure to have you on and, and glean from your years of experience around leadership. Thank you so much, sir. Gabe, you've asked a lot of excellent questions. I thank you for the privilege of being here, and I wish you every success with your, with your program. Awesome stuff from James there. I got a ton of value out of that. One other thing that, to me, makes a great leader is the ability to make decisions and to not hem and haw and not fall into this trap that I like to call paralysis by analysis. It's very important for leaders to make decisions. And I put together last year a little blog post that I'd like to share with you about avoiding paralysis by analysis and how to really build up that decision-making muscle. Uh, I'm going to put that link in the show notes on privateclubradio.com. But I'll also tell you the link here. If you go to aloisi.com, and if you don't know how to spell my name, it's A-L-U-I-S-Y dot com. Go to the blog section on that site. And it's about uh, four blogs or so down. It's called Five Ways to Avoid Paralysis by Analysis. And I've got a little list there. A list of five ways that you can become a better decision maker. And I've found that that's one of the number one ways number one things that you can do to really become a better leader. So definitely invite you to check that one out. And I hope to see you back here on Private Club Radio next week. We have an exciting episode where we're going to do a little round table with some general managers from the United Kingdom. 
and it's going to be a really fun episode. Until next week, enjoy that turkey dinner, and here's to your membership success. Just because this round is over doesn't mean you can't enjoy the 19th hole. Check out privateclubradio.com for more. Private Club Radio is brought to you by the Private Club Agency, the premier marketing and consulting firm dedicated to helping clubs increase and retain their membership. Visit privateclubagency.com to learn more.